Salam, and what up though to all my niggas, and may peace be upon you to the non-ones too. May peace be upon y'all and your ancestors and other spirits. My name is Taylor Amari Little. If you're not using that full name, then you call me Tay. I use she, her, and he, him pronouns. I'm a black queer Muslim, conjure woman, energy healing service provider, energy mother, educator, and diviner working with dead people and other spirits every day for a living. This is Tate in the Water podcast. No, not because I'm in the water while I'm recording, but I mean water as in movement, as in the spiritual realm, balance, restoration, feelings, dreams, inner worlds, trying to keep a cool head in this ugly ass world, and incorporating, exploring all of these different things as life practice. That is Tate in the Water. Full of spirit talk, apocalypse commentary, conversations around being a diviner, hoodoo, Islam, blackness, and beyond. Now welcome, welcome to my podcast, and now we can go. Hi everybody, assalamu alaikum. So today we have another interview. This is the second interview for this podcast, and it is a friend of mine um, who also resides pretty close to me at this current time like physically you know you're pretty close (laughs) yeah only in this moment well that's a lie because last last uh, or this summer you also lived pretty close oh that's true but then i didn't know it till i was till it's time to move to be honest oh that's also true i'm pretty sure yeah okay so but let me read their bio real quick okay because it's about to be good you know you about to listen to this podcast and then you're gonna be like oh my god I'm emotional because I just listened to this to this really good episode and I just learned so much things, so many things, and I'm just so I feel so good and appreciative of this podcast. That's how you're gonna be. So let me get into it, okay? So Mar Aziz, she, they pronouns, is a self-defense instructor who teaches anti-hate crime self-defense seminars. She is a PhD candidate at the University of Michigan. Hard to get into, y'all. That shit is that the shit is hard to get into. Um, her research constructs a social and cultural movement history of martial arts practice during the Black Power era. She has trained in martial arts for sixteen years and has a second degree black belt in karate and a brown belt in Japanese jujitsu. Since two thousand fifteen. She has taught over 60 well-being and self-defense workshops specifically for people who live at the intersection of multiple marginalized identities. Her pedagogy, is that how you pronounce that shit? I pedagogy. You know what I'm saying? Pedagogy. I don't be fucking knowing. I just <laughs> tomato, graduated. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> Yes. Okay, wait. What's the what's the what do what do people be saying? I don't understand. Uh, pedagogy. Pedagogy. pedagogy? People say both. People say both for real. Okay, yeah. all right, okay, okay. See, they didn't heard you, and shit. it's okay, though, because this is not a regular-ass podcast. Okay, <laughs> so her pedagogy, pedagogy, centers people of color, queer folks, non-binary, and gender non-conforming folks, and trans folks. All her classes are ability, age, experience, and body type inclusive. Her self-defense curriculum and techniques can be seen demonstrated in or on a www.selfdefensestarterkit.com. So let's welcome, you should clap wherever you're listening to this right now. You should uh, pull out your hands. Not, I don't know where it is. Tuck that. I don't know what you mean, what, I, what I'm saying when I say pull them out. But um, pull out your hands and just clap. Clap, sir. So, okay? Okay? I'm you you, you can clap you. too, Mar. I'm clapping for you, Tay. Excellent. Okay, so. Hi, Mar. Hello, Tay. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm good, Tay BS. Y'all, this is the first podcast you recorded after you got your whole Bachelor of Science. That's true, because I sure did uh, you all this podcast did. for a long time. So, <laughs> so it's a lot has happened. 
Um, yeah, but I just graduated yesterday. Woo woo! Oh wait, was it yesterday? No, I'm sorry. No, I'm like sorry. Two, two days, days ago. ago. Yeah, because I don't be knowing time. I woke up like I don't know what day this is. Um, but <laughs> but I just graduated uh, with my degree in criminology finally, um, and I am free. Pop 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 pop. We're going to get free. We're going to get free. We're going to get free because that prison ass school is not going to hold me down. Fuck that shit. I refuse. I refuse. I'm not, I told my mama, I said, girl, we're not paying them student loans. What are you talking about? I'm screaming. She was like worried about it. I said, girl, don't worry because we're not even paying that. It's okay. These Michigan schools are the, are the ghetto. They are. They are. They are. All of them. No, it's true. <laughs> no, it's true. It's, 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 uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's just not cute. Um, okay, so the first reflection question that I have for you, mm-hmm. the first question I have is, uh, what's the blackest thing that you've either seen or done all week? Yes, yes, yes. This is a good question. This Thank is like you. a nice icebreaker question. Oh gosh, I'm going to steal, can I, I cite you? You can ask me, please tell me, I'm already little. <laughs> I'm screaming. Um, I got, I got, I did three fun black things within the last week. So one thing was just for me, okay. and I was like, "This is how I know that this is my real East Coast black." Just affirming myself. Okay. My trash can is right outside. Right, it literally takes less than a minute to walk there. But sometimes I just want to feel like a nigga from the East Coast. So okay. I put on my whole last new Timberland boots oh, and walk my thirty seconds out my house. <laughs> and these are like Timberlands that cost two hundred dollars. I didn't pay two hundred dollars. You didn't pay that. Of course, you I pay two hundred dollars. I mean, I pay for them, but oh. I pay two hundred dollars. <laughs> you was like, who are your sugar mom? I'm taking an application. Who is your glucose guardian? Please, I need please. a glucose guardian, please. Um, no, so I got these really nice like black Tims. They're like from the Nordic line. You mm-hmm. know, shout out to the white people of color in the world who oh, wear Nordic Tims. Lord, <laughs> there's there's like fuzz in the middle, but they're like really shiny and black. So and I was nice. like, That's I could get good. trash specs on these. I don't know. There's no reason for me to wear these for. 30 seconds but it made me feel good in my body so oh my gosh i let my black ass self wear my tims um yes alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. So you cute. know allah blessed me to be able to treat myself so i said i'm gonna treat myself <laughs> okay um, and then you know what on sunday i had some folks over um in my black uh scholarly community at michigan mm-hmm. and we were doing a white elephant gift exchange have What's you heard that? of this white elephant is when you instead of just like a normal gift exchange or a secret Santa where everybody has one person that they pick from, mm-hmm. white elephant, everybody brings a gift and you put them all in the circle. And oh. people get to like go in a circle and pick the gift that they want. Oh. But then after you get your gift, people who come later in the circle can steal your gift from you. Damn. Yes. Um, yes. That, yes. I don't know how I feel about that. Right, why so so that's exact. Oh, okay. So then, right, we were like, "Why are we playing a game called White Elephant?" And so then, one of our Africanists was like, "Why didn't we call this Black Elephant?" <laughs> right. And so that was a black moment. What's of the so week. good about White Elephant? <laughs> also, do White Elephants exist? I don't think. Oh why. yeah, I don't know. I know. Well, no, I don't know that. Like, who knows? I think they, they might actually they might. they might actually exist. But the point was is that why are we here playing a game called White Elephant when we know we change everything to black anything? That's true. <laughs> because the elephant is fine. You know what? People don't understand that elephants are actually bad bitches. Um, like they're literally that girl. Like for real, I'm they screaming. are. No, they are. They're like some bomb ass matriarchs. I found out that this summer, um, while I was in Texas, and I did not know that. I was learning. I was getting my learning on. 
Um, and yeah, so that's not the problem. But yeah, y'all should have changed it. We really should. So that was that was a black having the conversation about why we was playing a game with the white in it was a black moment. I like that y'all <laughs> did unpacking for that <laughs> and for your gifts. <laughs> Look at the double unpack. Yes, come on. Yes, theorize we, that. We Tay. love to see it. <laughs> you love to see it. Okay, and are you ready? You ready for a cute last black moment? Yeah. So I went on a date this week. You and did? I did, I did, I did. And you know what I did? I took them. Was they to, fine? I'm sorry. They, they are a fine black person. They wow. are a fine black queer. You love to see it. Wow. You love to see black and black queer dates. Um, beautiful skin. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We went to go see Love Jones. I took them to. You did? Yes. So it had just left Netflix and they had never seen it. And I had watched it by myself, but I was falling asleep by the end. I was oh, like, I should watch this again, but I'm not going to watch Love Jones a second time by myself. Okay. So I called the media library on campus, and they had it in the collection. So wow. I took them up there, and we watched Lorenz Tate and Nia Long yes. in Love Jones on our first date. How did how did they like it? They really liked it. They had never seen a movie with Nia Long before, and they were like, what? I, I know. I was like, here is a whole cat. I was like, you about to get your whole life changed. Wow. Nia, and then they were like, oh my God, I feel like I I am Nia Long. And I was like, I'm a little concerned, but she's still cute. I was like, because I'm, I'm concerned because I'm like, Nia Long is a force. I'm like, I wish That's Nia true. Long would talk to me, but also all of her 90s characters are emotionally constipated. You know and what? I just need them to communicate better. And so, what song do you So we figured it out. I did. And actually, she and my date are the same sign because we were just watching and we watched a bunch of the trailers. We watched the trailer for Best Man. I was just like, wow, you and Nia Long are eerily similar. And they were like watch Nia Long be a Scorpio my oh, date's a Scorpio and I was like there's no fucking way Nia Long's a Scorpio look that shit up she Nia Long's a Scorpio damn that's wild now let me also tell you so my date is a jokester right so then they were like yo we gotta watch Icebox by Marion and I was Shut like I'm not watching Icebox what? with you I was like Icebox is for emotionally constipated B2K fans but they were like no 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 I love this song I was like this some BS I was like the way Omarion talking he talking like a constipated water sign. I was like, <laughs> wouldn't that be funny if he was also a water wow. sign? You know what a Morion sign is? What is he? He a Scorpio too. He a Scorpio too. It registers. See, that's that's they they need to <laughs> save reputation. I'm convinced. I be telling people I only like Scorpios in moderation. Like you gotta, you can't be majority Scorpio in your chart. Like I'm otherwise, screaming. we're not gonna get along. But you know, I do be caping for Scorpios though because they're yeah, literally. Yes. I be telling people they're just water sign Virgos. Okay, and you know what? I agree with you. You, you want to know why? Why? Because I've been doing a new theory. My my mini uh, uneducated <laughs> theory of astrological sciences. My new game is who is the fire sign of each of each category, right? <laughs> So I've been like, obviously, my take is that Virgos are the fire signs of Earth. Because I'm like, okay. y'all be lava, all right? Okay. Sometimes y'all harder to be earthy lava. You know what? That's, you're not wrong. I'm not wrong, you're right? You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I'm yeah. like, and then, so my new hypothesis is that Scorpios are the hot water of the fire signs. Hot water? Yes, like oh boiling water. Oh my God! I think they're okay. the final. So that's my that's my guess. That's my guess. But that's why I'm like, oh, Scorpio and Virgo might be cousins because y'all are the that's... fire. What a thing! 
Yeah. But the, you know, so this is my uneducated. Somebody come collect me. But oh, <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, so those are all of the. But they are really cute, and those are all of the the black things I I did this week. Wow. Blackest things I did. Thank you. That was unnecessary, but I was like, oh, I like this question. Oh, I'm glad. <laughs> I, I just came up with it like yesterday, so I was. Like, I'm screaming. Because <laughs> I, like, I had. I think I had a different... Oh, you know what? Maybe I didn't come up with the essay. Maybe it was a few days ago. But I was like, you know, what is the reflection question that we going to use for you? Because mm. it could be real serious, but it also... You know what? It don't have to be. That's the thing. Have to be. Niggas need to know that I can just ask you, like, what ice cream... What's your favorite ice cream? I don't know. That's, no, that shit's boring. But, like... I'm I don't know. People come up with some, like, bad <clears throat> reflection questions sometimes. Mm. Not bad, but just, mm-hmm. like, they not cute. Yeah. I feel like... I need to distinguish, distinguish that. That it's just not cute. It don't have to be bad. Well, but, and I mean, as you've learned, there's nothing ser- there's nothing serious about my well being self defense instruction. So <laughs> that's a lie. I be showing up mumbling to myself like <laughs> like an old parent ex. Like where I put that at? <laughs> so you just be hearing me <laughs> like where I put my glasses. <laughs> That's just me during half the class. That's true. You're not wrong. But I like it, though. I think it's good for bonding. (laughs) We do be bonding. That's true. Okay, so we talked about astrology a little bit, but I have another question before we get into the the serious stuff. Yes, yes, yes. So, okay, so what is your favorite zodiac sign? That's so hard. Because I know the cop-out answer is I want to say my sign. I just need a good uh, That's defense, fair. you know. I'm a, I got I'm gonna say so I'm a, I'm gonna start out by saying I started my my 20s journey started out uh with a lot of uh a lot of love for fire signs. Okay. I had a lot had a really? string of Aries. Oh my fucking god. Right. And so oh my god. new other uneducated theory astrologically is that whatever sign that you wind up dating back to back when yeah. you come into yourself yeah. in your early 20s is the sign that just like you're like oh like you just cannot you can't return back to them. Oh it's my just god. Like, no that's true. Because I've known someone who was like, "Oh yeah," and then I like dated multiple this sign back to back and I'm just like I have learned all the things about this sign and I move forward. So I'm like, yeah. I had to get away from like the fires of the world. I had to get away from the Aries. I had to get away from the Leos. Leos are trash. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but not sorry. I'm not you sorry. You like Leos? No. And I, I didn't know until, except for, you know, our friend, our dear friend Tam who's out there in the world. Oh, yeah. We do love Tam. Oh, yeah. But no, I, you know, I had an interaction with a Leo recently and I was, and I had never interacted with a Leo before. I can count on my hand the number of Leos I knew and nobody warned me and I felt unprepared. I felt unguarded. I saw 16 years of martial arts and I got shook. I felt like I got KO'd by a Leo. I was, and I just like, at the end of it, I was like, man, do I need to have an icebox? I was oh like, maybe I didn't. I didn't. Oh my goodness. But that's why I would like, I then started talking to folks about Libras and I realized oh, that wow. there were a couple of Libras in my life and I'm like, sometimes like their energy, I'm like, y'all like are like really different from me in terms of your air. But yeah, I was yeah. like, I'm also some of the like kindest, sweetest people oh. or like really intensely like checking in. Um, have been Libra, so I've been like, you know, I've just been like giving love to Libras lately. Um, but yeah, and I think it maybe I think it's the way in which they like float through the world, um, or show their kindness. 
Um, but I still have to say, I mean, I'm still a big fan of Capricorn, which, which <laughs> is almost, it is my sign. Yeah. It is also almost Capricorn season, FOMO days. Oh, that's true. Gang, gang. <laughs> gang, gang. Cap rising. Cap rising. Oh, yes, yes. Cap rising. Yeah. Come through. All right, I got a reason, right? Okay. I think that caps get a bad rep. I think that people think that, <laughs> which everybody's sign gets a bad rep, yeah, but. I think people tend to think that caps are emotionally unavailable. We're yeah. only like financially driven. Like we're only about like the career, and the profession. We're no fun too. They th- exactly they think that we're no fun. But I think part of what I think a people have only met cis het men oh, like caps, and I feel like they're basing it on that. And I think they've only met non queer, non social justice. Oh caps. my god, yeah, that's true too. Right? Because I actually feel like I was like you know like is my are like the finances that I have like tight and tight and monitored? Yes, mm-hmm. but. Also, part of that is so I can, like, redistribute resources, right? Part of that is also, like, I don't actually care what the other person makes. Like, I don't care what your access is. Because I'm like, but we come from a queer circle where in which the folks that we love don't always have the same access to funds that we do. Um, And so I was talking to another Capricorn, a queer Capricorn, and we're like, we're really just about, like, who you are as a person and and your politics as much as, like, like, I think that for queer Capricorns, it's, like, put in who you are as a person and your orientation of justice yeah. instead of the finances. Mm. Um, and I think that we just, like, we really safeguard who we share ourselves with, right? It's not that we won't emotionally communicate. Like, I will talk, I will over-emotionally communicate with somebody I want to over-emotionally communicate with. Yeah. But I'm just not communicating with, with you. you. Exactly. Exactly. Go somewhere. Go somewhere. Like, with, you don't deserve my communication. Exactly. Exactly. But caps no, are mad loyal. That's really, no, that's, We're grounded. that's really true. We're so grounded in our, like, choices mm-hmm. and shit. All earth signs are, but Cap is, like, we take it to a whole other level, especially because we're just, like, so, um, we're, like, constantly thinking about, like, the long term. Like, where exactly. Like, what, what are going to be, the, like, the next steps and shit. Yeah, and I think it's really good that you brought up, um, like, uh, like, the differences between, <clears throat> you know, how, like, the queer zodiac signs, especially mm-hmm, of color, and then, mm-hmm, like, the cishets, because mm-hmm. they do be on some shit. And actually, I'm going to go back to that Leo statement I made because I know I said they trash. And you know what? I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be a new bitch. Fair um, enough, fair Because enough. historically, I have said that a lot, even about Libras. But I've mm. grown. The thing is, Mara, that I've grown. Mm, um, and yeah. so you see, I didn't, I didn't smash. Uh, you didn't. I, didn't say I saw it in your eyes, you though. Saw you I did? Saw, you I did? saw it in your eyes. About Libras? Yes. Oh. <laughs> but then I was like, oh, okay. Case holding space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but I've grown a lot because I actually I do see like the beauty of Libras now like mm-hmm. because it was just they was just stressing me the fuck out so much oh they are to... oh for sure <laughs> I was like I realized that somebody I tried to talk to a couple of years ago was a Libra and I was oh. like oh in our mental we would never have worked out <laughs> never I was like you was just floating too high oh I was too God. grounded and we was we would have fought but I think. The evolution you talked about. So people have been telling me recently that sign that there are evolved forms of signs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like when I meet evolved Libras, I'm like, oh, <laughs> like we complement each other because otherwise it yeah. just feels like the Clashing. wind is beating on the earth. Yeah, and that's how I feel. So I think I think um, like my experiences with uh, Leos that have been super mm-hmm. negative. Like most of them have been with cishet men. Oh, that's or, or, real. Or cis men. They ain't gotta be. They ain't. They don't even have to be straight. That's Fuck true. That shit. They that's just true. gotta be that's men. True. Honestly, true. That's that. They don't even have to be cis. They just gotta be men. To that's be fair honest. enough. Fair enough. Yeah, like male Leos. They just be on some shit because it's like, damn, like you already, you know, supported by the society and being this arrogant ass bitch, and mm-hmm. then, uh, and like now, now you're taking it to a whole other level mm. and it's just <laughs> exhausted 
exhausted. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Like, you don't have to be like this, nigga. You don't have to be this way. (laughs) It didn't have to be this way. I'm screaming. Yeah, so, yeah, so, um, I don't know. I think, just like how with Scorpios, I'm like, you know, it's good in moderation. Leos are also good, but in moderation, and when Mm. it's not, uh, you know, too, like, when it's not in the chart of, like, a man. That's real. I'm about to go ask my date the other side. But like, what's your rising and your moon? Oh God, you ain't get that on the first date. I forgot. Hello? I know, I know. Well, we we have another date tonight, so I just be like, oh. pull up your chart. Okay, yes. Okay, are you ready to move into the other stuff? I am. I am. I am. Excellent. Okay, so. You said that, you know, you've been uh, engaging with martial arts for about 16 years. That's a long-ass time. Mm -hmm. That's a long-ass time. Mm -hmm. That's a teenager. I was. I was a baby. I was 12. Oh, my God. Wow. Okay, so my question is, how did you first get into martial arts? Or maybe, like, in better wording, like, how did martial arts first come to you? Yeah. um, I mean, I think that it was an intergenerational practice, and I think this is something, right, that'll resonate with you. I think um, my dad and my mom um, did martial arts, the Japanese jiu-jitsu, actually in the 1970s, um, which is also coincidentally related to my (laughs) scholarly work. Boom, boom. Um, And so at, like, various times, like, other of my siblings have also done martial arts. Like, they signed up. My brother, I think my sister as a baby in the crib might have been at a martial arts class. Um, So it was a family thing. And um, when I was a kid, I was homeschooled for a couple years, and my dad was my physical education teacher. Mm -hmm. This is, like, very, like, in a a particular black homeschooling tradition. Um, And I just remember, like, his most vivid moments of, like, when he was doing community organizing in the 70s were about his martial arts classes. Like, we talked about other stuff, but, like, he will always bring up what he did in his jujitsu classes and, like, his various forms of self-defense. And he'd be like, you know, I can defend myself with a pencil. And I'd be like, what? What? Talk about. (laughs) He would just, he would go, he would pick up a random household item. Right. He'd be like, I just with the eraser. And I'd be like, what are you talking about? (laughs) I'm like, you know, black daddies. Um... And so it was an intergenerational practice. And so I had really wanted to join. And so on my 12th birthday, actually, my dad signed me up. And so it's really become like a family sort of like, um, yeah, a, a, a family, you know, I don't know how to say it, like a family practice, a, a family shared identity. Yeah, a family tradition. Oh, yeah, sure, so that's how it came into me, right? Um, wow. It's in my mom's body. You know, it's in my dad's body. That's like embodied like knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. And do you have like a favorite type of martial arts or t- type of uh, favorite type of fo- or what am I saying? A favorite form? Of- so my background is, is in um, karate, uh, which is originally an Okinawan art. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, you know, Okinawa is a is I mean, still to this day an occupied territory of Japan. Right. Um, and so like karate like loosely like starts because different like um, Okinawan martial artists combine some southern Chinese styles. So like specifically my art, they trained in China, would come back to Okinawa and would put that together with the indigenous martial arts that were there. Mm. And then under like imperial occupation with Japan, like the Japanese then got karate, which is how like most people associate karate with Japan now. Um, And then right because of like essentially like the US military, like and like how it then occupied Japan we get, like, a lot of, like, karate over to the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so, that genealogy aside, like, I'm really 
predisposed to karate because it's my base and I think it was a really powerful experience because it's a striking art like there's types of arts there's like a grappling arts like ground grappling there's like manipulation arts where you just like manipulate joints and then there's striking arts there's weapon arts Mm -hmm. and a lot of times like all of that some of them are like fused together into multiple practices but Mm -hmm. a striking art really taught me like things about my body that I didn't know as someone who was raised um like as a girl as a female right that like um and, and and not that, that my parents were doing that, but just, like, I think doing, like, martial arts as a 12-year-old, um, really, like, I already felt really strong. I actually, I think I was fortunate enough to grow up in a space where I could already feel strong, but mm-hmm. learning a striking art where I could learn to kick, and <laughs> you see this, and when we did our lessons, like... You know, it taught me so much about how powerful almost all of us are because of our lower bodies. Right. Like, if we have access and the abilities of our lower bodies, that, like, it just made me feel like a badass. So, I, I really period. like, period. <laughs> so, I really like striking arts. I'm also a fan. Like, I've never trained in, like, Muay Thai, but I'm also just, like, oh, I really I remember. Okay. Yeah, like, they have, like, like a lot of the elbows and knees. Like, they do, like, really strong strikes of those. Um, and there's also some really cool, like, Southeast Asian martial arts, like Silat, that a lot of, mm. like, um, Asian Muslims, like, practice, right um so yeah those are my those are my favorites wow thank you for sharing yeah so that also leads us to the question um about your research which you you brought up um and so tell us a little bit about that. What is your research? What do you be talking about? It's so funny you ask me because I'm looking at the stickers on your computer and oh, you got the, the Black Panther Party, oh, Panther yes, Power. Yeah. And that's, they actually are in my research. Um, oh, also, okay. shout out to uh, Columbus was a murderer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't never lied. <laughs> um, yeah, so my research thinks about why community organizers and activists practice martial arts, essentially. And it seems like, you know, a simple question, but... Um, it's not one that like other historians have like really taken seriously. Like a lot of people like are fascinated by black people who practice martial arts. And I mean, there's like outside of my family and my parents, like there's a long tradition of black people like running around black communities doing martial arts. Mm. And I mean, even just combat sports in general, right? Boxing, right? Across like the 20th century, but also just like of us fighting. I mean, you know, like folks was doing like African descended, um, like weapons, like arts, like in the Haitian Revolution, like there's some yes. evidence to suggest that. Um, you could check out the book. It's called Fighting for Honor by T.J. Obi. He talks a little bit about it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, you know, like African descended peoples from across the continent have had their own martial arts, right? I mean, this is the thing is that martial arts are not East Asian, right? Like we like because of Orientalism, we think of them as just Asian. But right. if everybody has an indigenous martial art, right? To like wherever that like wherever you are or wherever your folks might have been from, there mm-hmm. are indigenous martial arts in those spaces. Um, and so like I came to my research because I was really interested in why people hadn't studied historically black people doing martial arts in the U.S. And it was like people had done things where they care about like kung fu films, right? And so everybody always cares about why black people love kung fu, (laughs) but no one actually cares about why black people started practicing kung fu or, Mm -hmm. you know, karate. Um, And so thinking about Back to War by Dad, I was like, well, he's doing it in this moment, like this black power era. 
Um, and like, I'm like, you can look across organizations. So the Black Panther Party, the Nation of Islam, the Congress of African People, Republic for New Africa, to the Third World Women's Alliance. Um, mm. And I'm like, and across movements, right? Like um, the Young Lords Party, right? Yeah. A bunch of the white feminists. They're all practicing martial arts and unarmed <laughs> self-defense. Mm-hmm. Why? And that was basically my research question. And so I went to grad school, and I, I think this is another question, but, um, you know, I went to grad school to tell a story. I wanted to tell the story of my parents and I wanted to like get on the record why they were up in these spaces and why it was so important to them, right? Like you could be talking about your political organizing meeting committee. You could be talking about how you had to sell newspapers. You could be talking about how you had to like go to national conventions and like your theory and theology. But why did my dad think to tell me about his martial artist scene? I think that it was something about like a historically rooted black empowerment, um, and so I was like, this is part of social movements. It's a tactic in social movements. And we can see that from the 1960s to the present now. I mean, you know, the movement against hate crimes that I've been yeah. a part of, right? Even, um, you know, like, that's just like, why have self-defense classes been useful? And so that's how I came to my research. And I was like, well, why do black power activists specifically want to do it? And it's like, they theorize it not just as a physical self-defense, but as a, a tool for political and spiritual well-being. So, I mean, like, the Black Panther Party in the 70s taught, like, kids in Oakland, you know, martial arts, like, young kids, teenagers, right? And, like, they have, like, kids across genders, right? We don't know if there are folks who are, like, like you know, teenagers yeah. who would have identified as gender variant, but, like, we know that it's, like, both boys and girls are out there doing martial arts. They're also teaching them yoga. So they're doing black movement mm-hmm. arts, right, as a way to nourish the body and the soul. And so that's what got me interested because I was like, I think these are things that are actually helpful for us to know today, right, that, like people often see martial arts and self-defense as a very normatively quote-unquote masculine space right that privileges certain types of like um strength privileges certain types of like power and like isn't inclusive but I was like there are ways in which like this was empowered for a lot of different people in a lot of different bodies yeah. who saw themselves as revolutionaries and some people folks for them it literally was yeah 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 it's great about the spiritual and the mental but some folks were like okay the revolution is about to happen right, right. <laughs> so if you literally practically speaking if you right. won't have a revolution you just can't run up on folks with guns right you yeah. might need some <laughs> unarmed self def- you yeah. might need to know how to literally kick someone's ass right yeah. so that's real as fuck. Okay. So how how does martial arts fit into your spiritual practice? And or does it? Yeah, I mean, I think that at this stage of my life, like, Islam and martial arts are my spiritual practice together. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, you know, we have to like think very carefully about like the the spirituality that is infused in the East Asian des- descended martial arts that mm-hmm. I come from specifically, right? Um and it's it's both like um, it's both spiritual practices and also like way of life practices and orientation, right? And so, um, oftentimes there was like usage of like Buddhist philosophy and spiritual practice right. in certain like East Asian instead of martial arts or uh, like just other modes of moving through like spirituality. And so, like, oftentimes, even when they're taught to this day, like, there's something about if you go to a martial arts school that's um, spiritually nourishing, right? They're teaching you meditation. They're teaching you about how to be at home in your body. They're mm-hmm. teaching you about um, perseverance of the spirit and what it's like to be in community with your spiritual wholeness. Um, and that really resonated with me with 
like my like Islamic background and like being Muslim, um, I think that like, you know, even like if you're someone that prays five times a day, right, that even like that like act or embodiment, like no matter how you pray, like whether you actually can get down all the way mm-hmm. or not, right, there's something about like praying, even if it's just making dua, um, and even if it's just saying the words mentally or mm-hmm. physically, um, but something about it that's embodied no matter what our abilities are. And so I think that like that makes sense to me in terms of martial arts, right? Um, and there's sometimes now where I find myself actually doing like um, like sort of like martial arts movement as like I'm praying. Um, and that actually makes me feel like really good because I think for a long time I had a hard time with meditation as part of my martial arts practice. But um, And I also have struggles still with like focusing during Salat, like just like not thinking about other things and just thinking about, um, you know, Allah. But doing them together, there's something about that, like moving as if I'm doing like a martial arts like form. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's really interesting. Uh, and like my like breathing, like grounding, like when I need to like come back to myself, mm-hmm. like I have on like, you know, I have like prayer beads, but I'm also like doing my breathing like we were doing mm-hmm. earlier from my martial arts practice. So like spiritually, like I walk around, I think like thinking about like how Islam and like martial arts move together. That's beautiful. Yeah. I like that you uh use the terminology of like it being an embodied practice in mm-hmm. particular too. That's something that that really resonated with me. I think um for me as a person who is engaged with multiple faiths, like mm-hmm. you, you just, I have access to so much. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, there's so many different ways to pray. There's so many different mm-hmm. ways to to like be in a a conversation like with my spirits mm-hmm. and with God um but like what I always have liked about uh when I praise the laws is that like it is an embodied thing and that right, um right. is that my whole body can be can be involved in the ritual it can my whole body can be involved in mm-hmm. the prayer and not just my head like because I feel mm-hmm. like with other with other practices sometimes it's really easy for me to just get caught up like in my head um when yeah. I'm doing that but no like it's I'm moving around my right. head touching the ground you know, I'm kneeling and things like that. And, uh, yeah, that it just feels really good. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes I feel like we just need our bodies to focus. Like, we need mm-hmm. our bodies. And, I mean, I think this is why, like, I mean, this seems a little tangential, but still related. Like, when we penalize, like, black and brown kids in, like, schools who, like, literally need to move throughout the day, right? right? And we say, right, like, they, like, are, like, struggling with, like, attention and... It's like, on the one hand, like, well, what is attention in the first place? And, like, why aren't these students, like, are there, like, you know, I mean, the system of, like, we need to have so many students per teacher means that, like, they standardize the curriculum where you all have to sit in your seat so I can keep an eye on you. But the reality is, is that some of us don't focus that way. Like, we focus through moving through our lessons. So, um, yeah. Yes. Um, one of the reasons why I wanted to ask this question um, about how, how does martial arts fit into your spiritual practice um, is because I know like when, when you and I first started our work, um, you immediately brought up this idea of uh, energy shielding. Um, and like when we were talking about like the fence work, like you were yeah. so inclusive in your language. Um, you know, that wasn't something that I had to tell you. Um, but you you were not only talking about uh, you know, blocking somebody if they, you know, say if their hands come in your way, but you mm-hmm. know, if they got negative energy or some, some shit that you don't want, mm-hmm, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm, you also mm-hmm. want to be mindful that, you know, you can, you can block that too, like, right. uh, and, and utilizing physical movements to do that. Um, 
And that was like really important to me because I was like, oh my God. Like I've never, mm-hmm. you know, I've never worked with a self-defense instructor who was so mindful of that and like mm-hmm. super like explicit about that with with also like not making it a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I got to... I, you know, just like, oh, I got to like, you know, include this and do, and do this. Like it was so natural mm-hmm. um, and in conversation with you and like with you teaching those things. Um, and so, yeah, I really appreciated that. Do you have any comments on like, you know, why you um, why you chose to use that language? Yeah, well, I think it's twofold for me. I think it, it goes back to like who like. Who is sharing knowledge within certain communities, right? So you and I share a bunch of communities, right? Like we share like queer, black, Muslim communities, right? We don't share all our communities though, right? Like our spiritual practices intersect and then unintersect to certain (laughs) places. But I think it's really important to like know what your folks are about, who you are sharing rooms with. Um, And I think it's important to like be humble and be able to think about what resonates with folks, right? That like if we all have a shared goal in common, right, like, as an instructor, like, my ability to, like, think about language that's affirming and empowering is really important to cultivating the space of the martial arts um, classroom. And I'm like, you know, if you have an instructor or... It's twofold. If you have an instructor that thinks that they have to change um, the techniques because of their own biases, right? That they're like, oh, I don't think you can do X, Y, and Z. That's a problem. But if you don't have an instructor that's not willing to say, to be, to like look at you in the eye and say, like, I want to know what's going to empower you the most, right? And I'm going to speak to you in that manner. Like, you can't teach two people the same way pedagogically, right? Because people grow differently in their spirits and their bodies. And some people want that, like, you know, I'm going to push you <laughs> like a football coach, right? right? But, like, lots of people do not. Um, mm-hmm. And I naturally don't show up as that self-defense instructor in my space. Um, and I think that, like, I mean, there is, I think there's a spirituality to martial artistry, right? Yes. And I think there's a way to talk about it that that is, like, not tied to a particular religion. And I think there's a way to talk about it across people's backgrounds with, like, their own soul, right? Like, the soul and the spirit are really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that had to show up in the space regardless. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, knowing you and, like, being about knowing the communities and folks that, like, I'm teaching, like, with and learning with, yeah. it was important to think about what is going to resonate with Tay and what is the, like, we have a common language that I'm sharing with you. And so what are the ways in which I can share that that'll make you feel really empowered in your spirits and your body? Oh, Marta's gay. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that? <laughs> well, you know, we love the gay. <laughs> Allah loves the gay. Allah loves the gays. Point blank, period. Period. Um, so let's move into well, this not moving into it for real, for real. It really connects. Um, but like there's terms that you brought up today, mm-hmm. um, that you hadn't brought up or used explicitly before that I really found value in, mm-hmm. um, and that was spiritual dexterity and mental dexterity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so can you kind of go into like what those are and like, what is the difference between the two? Yeah. And this actually, so that's a good question. Um, and it even brings us back to like, you know, you brought up the, when I used the term energy shielding mm-hmm. and like, um, when we were talking about energy shielding, I was thinking about, right, like, there's an intuition, right? Like, regardless of who you are and, like, 
your spiritual practice, right? Like intuition exists, right? Knowing your body and when like um, it feels unsafe and it feels unsafe around someone else is intuition, right? And so the energy shielding came up because we are sensing the world around us and like people are giving us bad energy, right? And you don't even need to be right (laughs) an energy worker to like sense that somebody's right like body language is trying to send to you negative signals and so we were talking about that i was like you know part of the self-defense practice is warding off the negative energy that's coming towards you and in order to shield yourself from someone else's negative energy we need these multiple types of dexterity Mm -hmm. um and so, like, I think everyone, like, really gets hunkered down in the physical, right? That, like, oh, self-defense yeah. is about the physical dexterity. But, you know, I mean, you can train your body according to your abilities any type of way that you want, right? But being in a situation that makes you feel unsafe or uncomfortable is something very different than trying to pick up a kettlebell or just going for a walk for 20 minutes, right? Um, or even stretching your hands. It's a different type of sensation, Um, and so like your mind has to be in a space where it is able to talk to your body and communicate with your body. Mm -hmm. Um, your mind has to have like the willpower to say, I believe in myself and I believe that there is something for me after this situation. Um, and so having the ability for your mind to tell your body, it can keep going because your body will... Your body will communicate with you appropriately and say, like, I am done, right? I am tired. I don't want to be here. <laughs> take me home. Out. Right. Cut it out. Take me home, right? And we're supposed to listen to our bodies. Yeah. Um, but also sometimes, right, we don't have the ability in the moment to immediately get our body to where it needs to be. Yeah. So that's when we need our mind to communicate to our body and to say, you know what? I got you, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we can do a little bit more, Right. Um, but then, but that's why we need also the spiritual dexterity, right? Because if there isn't something spiritually nourishing you and saying to you, right, like there's something else beside this for me, there's something outside of this situation for me, right? Mm -hmm. That spiritual dexterity is what like allows people to say, you know, like, I don't know when parents, like we talked about this earlier, when parents lift up the car to try and like move their like children, like, cause or like, you know, when someone like, like gets outside of themselves, there's a spiritual push that's happening, right? right? That like you are spiritually grounded in being in a safer place and in being in more comfort. Right. And like your soul is like emanating from you in that moment. And so mm. it's important to have your spirit say, we're going to get through this. To be able to tell your mind, to tell your body, okay, we can actually do this for a second longer. Because the body can't do it alone. It's um, true. It is true. And you were talking earlier when we were doing exercises about when we I had you, like, holding dumbbells. Mm-hmm. And there was a moment that really, like, I was really, like, happy with when you, like, shout. You just, like, in your body said no. <laughs> right? Your, your mind spoke through your body and said, no, body, we're going to hold these dumbbells a little bit longer. And to me, mm-hmm. that was the spirit. Like, you were saying you could actually feel a spiritual presence outside of you. Right? That, like, you were holding your body up and your survival up for something else, right? That you were thinking about other folks and that other folks were pushing you to say, we can do this. There are other things that we want to get done. So um, if we have the ability to do that, right? And for so many of us, like our oppressed identities, like A, white supremacy disconnects our mind, body, spirit connection. Um, And that's really hard. And so for a lot of us, it's even 
it's you know it's not a privilege but it's just like to be able to come back to a space where we feel we feel our entitlement to to survive right Mm -hmm. like that we are entitled to survival if that's what we want right Mm -hmm. not to shame others because that's not what they're they chose Mm -hmm. right but like if that's what we are saying we're taking in the moment that we're entitled to this type of survival and it's hard to do in this system that a mind body spirit connection can get us through there and so that's a long way of saying right like i i don't just teach self-defense classes i'm like these are well-being these are like these are soul and nourishment classes because we learn so much about ourselves so that's how I got to spiritual and mental dexterity because it's not just how long you can hold the dumbbell it's like what is telling you to hold the dumbbell longer right and who are you holding the dumbbell longer for yeah yeah I really like uh when you when we were working together earlier and you had brought up the examples of like when like in really dramatic you know dangerous scenarios that actually do happen like I think you have brought up uh, like a parent lifting the fucking car, you know, mm-hmm. to you know, because their child is under there or mm-hmm. something like that. Like, mm-hmm. where do they get that from? Like, that's not just <laughs> that's not no everyday shit, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But there is something like about their spirit that right. you know that is activated like in those situations. Exactly, and it's just like you know you end up you know doing being able to do what you what you need to do right. uh, in that moment. Um, so I, I really love that. And we did it because we said we could do it. We. <laughs> <laughs> You in the fridge, yes. It's true. That's true. That's. I feel like that's some real cap shit. Is I did it because I said I could do it. And that's like period. You can't tell me nothing else. Right, 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 right. And Aries would have been like, "I'm gonna do it because I'm the shit." But the Capricorn is just like, "I said I could do it, so then I I did it. My mind, body, and spirit then did it. It aligned, and then I met my goal. And then I met my goal, right? But there was, you know, there was a moment where I was holding the dumbbells and I was faltering, um, mm-hmm. because of you know my own uh, abilities and um I was thinking about my grandmother and I was thinking about um I was really close with her and she passed away mm-hmm. right after um I had to defend a proposal for my dissertation project Damn. for my PhD and so uh she so she passed away right after I did that. She had gotten sick right after I had to take my exams. Like because when you're getting your PhD, you have to qualify for the degree by demonstrating a, a proficiency of knowledge in certain fields. So, mm-hmm. anyway, this really big important person in my life who helped raise me, um, you know, uh, passed away. And so, you know, I have like pictures of her on my desk when I'm working because mm-hmm. I'm I'm trying to finish this year. And when I was faltering with the dumbbells, I was thinking about her. I was like, when I was telling you, oh. Who else is here that I'm doing this for? You know, she, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm doing it for for Nana. Um, and even in that moment, like when I'm doing my martial arts, like I'm like, oh, like, you know, that warrior spirit, mm-hmm. like um, the things that we fight through, particularly, you know, those of us that are descended from like black women or, you know, those mm-hmm. that we, we call black women. Um, you know, the warrior spirit is not just the physical spirit. You know, warrior spirit is... Um, you know, we don't want to over-romanticize all of the struggles that African African yeah. diaspora peoples have gone through. But, yeah. you know, folks made it through. Folks yeah. made it through. Um, and so I was thinking about my grandmother. And I'm like, you know, she lived to be like 96. And yeah. she lived her whole life. And so, that. yeah, she pushes me forward. So, you know, she's that spiritual perseverance for me. And that's, even when I'm writing this dissertation, I'm like, you know what? She's my <laughs> spiritual perseverance. Oh, that's your anchor. She is. She is. Winifred Barbie, the anchor. Oh, wow. Wow, that's beautiful. I love talking about, like, the mind, body, and spirit and, um, and like, the ability to defend it. 
Um, and so that also connects to the question too, like what role does disability justice play into your work? Yeah, I mean, this is a really good question. Um, I think it's a really important question because I mean, I mean, I think first of all, right, like disability justice reminds us that like ableism, like is intersecting with a whole lot of other oppressive systems. Mm-hmm. Um, and to remember that, like, I mean, when you start adding on black and brown, like trans and non-binary bodies, and then also like you think about like disability ability outside of like the, tr- like the quote unquote traditional ways in which they're thought of, um, you know, like, there's a lot of our folks that think that they, a like just movement spaces in general are not for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and like part of what I wanted to think about is like with our overset, like our intersecting identities, how do we make spaces that center our abilities and disabilities and are just the most inclusive that they can be. Yeah. Um, and I'm someone that like, you know, I don't take up space in terms of ability and disability, but, like, with my own mobility and the injuries that I've had, like, there are certain things that, like, I just cannot do anymore. Mm -hmm. My body, like, has its own issues of chronic pain, and so those are things that I think about when folks come into my spaces, Um, and I think it's really important for us to remember that strength and power are not just physical, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that we don't all have strength and power in our bodies, Mm -hmm. no matter how they move and no matter what feels good in them. Um, And that's inclusive of the abilities that we have at our disposal. Um, And so, I mean, you know, if we're struggling with like body types, if we're struggling with mobility, we're struggling with chronic pain, if like we move through the world like on our scooters or in our motorcycles um, or with our canes, right? Like that there's still power and there's still um there's still power and there's still strength in that. I mean mm-hmm. I've had folks where we've been in the space and we've taken time after class to be like just to do specifically cane self defense, right? Mm-hmm. That like mm-hmm. I move through the world with a cane most days, right? And like Right, right, like I am a hijabi, right? So this yeah. makes me, right, like someone sees me, right? And, you know, part of why I teach hate crime self-defense is because of this reminder of, like, the intersectional, like, burdens of how we can be harmed. And yeah. so I had a hijabi who's like, I moved to the world with a cane, right? And so I'm like, there are ways in which people are hailing um, them, right? And seeing, perceiving them as, like, weak and unable to protect themselves. But, I mean... We just did cane self-defense. I said, okay, so then you know what? I was like, perhaps we're not going to actually kick somebody, right? But you know what we're going to do? We're going to take this cane and we're going to upside them on the knee, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm like, you know what? Like, I've, like, seen, like, folks, like, be in spaces, right? And, like, with, like, our prosthetic, like, body parts have really, like, come through and said, like, rearrange how people orient themselves to what martial arts look like and what Mm -hmm. self-defense look like. Um, You know, what power and what balance look like. Um, And I'm like, you know, if you have chronic pain, right, what that means is that I'm not going to stand in a fight for like 10, 30 seconds. Like, I'm not a UFC fighter, right? Like, I like get really tired, like standing and walking around and like my knees and everything. I got to sit down after a minute. Like sometimes it's even hard for me to just like get up and get myself a cup of water. So I'm like, we got to think about what are the most universally inclusive and effective techniques Mm -hmm. that work for a wide range of body types and abilities on other body types and abilities. And I'm like, we can't draw this out and we got to play to our strengths. And I think that like, um, I also think something that works into a, um, 
a disability justice framework is thinking about teaching from places of strength and not weakness. Mm. And I, you know, it's not something that I would have realized then, but I'm thinking about it now. And I'm like, a lot of self-defense instructors are like, you know what, this is your gender, right? And because of your gender, you biologically are not strong here, mm. here, and here, right? This is a, a thing that you'll see, you know, surprise, surprise, a lot of police officers will teach self-defense classes. Um, <laughs> and, you know, they'll teach them the women and they'll do women's self-defense and, you know, or even just people who aren't police officers, people like right. self-defense instructors will just say, you are a woman, right? You gendered person are a woman. And because of that, you are not strong in your upper body. And thus we are going to do these things that you do, quote unquote, have the ability to do. Um, or because you're weak. And I don't teach like that. I'm like, yeah. okay, you know what? Across the gender spectrum, across the body type spectrum, um, like for those of us that have access to our legs, like, our lower bodies are inherently stronger than our upper bodies. Um, and I mean, like, that varies for, like, folks who are moving through the world in other capacities, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm like, if you're moving through the world in a scooter or a wheelchair, like, you've got a hunk of metal <laughs> that is as strong on the bottom. But also, you've got really powerful upper body, right? Yeah. Because of the ways in which, like, you're actively losing your upper body all the time. So I'm like, making these assumptions about people based on gender bodies doesn't work. Um, and talking to someone and saying, well, you know what, if you're moving through the world and you're wheelchair all day, actually we can use your hands in mm -hmm. a really strong way. And it's going to complement the metal that you can jam into someone's knee right. as you're like rolling down the street. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really important for me to say, you know what, like I've got someone even thinking about age, right. And like how age plays into, I think, a, um, a disability justice and just social justice framework like, in general, how ageism and ableism come together, but, you know, like, I have folks who come in and say, like, I don't have access to this type of ability right. anymore, I don't have access to this type of mobility, right, and so it's like, you know, you can't teach self-defense moves that only work for the subset of the population that have the most normative abilities, <laughs> right, yeah. um, right, like, I gotta think, like, I'm thinking about my mom, right, I'm like, okay, she's in her 70s, like, her mobility is a particular type of way. Like, what are the moves that and the, the weapons that I can give her mm -hmm. that be, make her feel empowered and feel like she has the most access to defending herself, right? Because right. it's important to feel like you defend yourself. We can always use weapons, right? We can always get dirty. We could fight dirty. We could throw shit. We could hit people with things, you know, within a certain type of legal context. Um, <laughs> but also, it's important to feel like we are powerful. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, one of the last things I really think about, and I think that, you know, we all are indebted to, like, folks who do, like, disability justice work is, is you know, remembering, remembering, like, mental health for black and brown folks mm -hmm. um, and how that shows up in all of our spaces. And that doesn't leave folks when they come into um, a well-being space. And so if you're not attending to the mental well-being of folks um, who are suffering with like all the things that we go through right yeah. um and also just are predisposed to like shaming ourselves and having that worsen mm. our anxieties and our depressions right and our ability to get up in the morning right i mean you never want somebody to leave a self-defense class feeling like oh like here are all the things that i can't do and all here are all the things that i'll never be able to do right and have that be a reason that right like they can't reach out and talk to folks or that like they're in the home or that you know they cause themselves self-harm so you really have to be attentive to like how your framework is lifting people up um is letting them sit in their own power absolutely and i like that um you know and talking about attending to the mental health of us like one thing that's been really effective uh and like our work together that i've seen is 
um, the incorporation of humor because mm. um, we be clowning, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but 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 in but in a specific way, sometimes like it shows up like um, with the different references that you might bring mm. up. Um, like what that reminded me, something you said had reminded me of it when you were uh, talking about teaching from a place of uh, weakness, like mm. how other instructors often are. Um, versus teaching from a place of power and strength. Mm-hmm. Um, and it reminded me of, like, when we were talking about, like, the lower bodies and, and how, yeah. you know, uh, you were emphasizing that there are common weaknesses of our people who are often our enemies, right? Like, mm-hmm. cishet men. Like, men are oftentimes, like, uh, so focused on like you know training to mm-hmm. build strength in their upper bodies mm-hmm. that they don't be worried about their legs. They and then you was giving them references about Jay Z. I'm screaming. <laughs> yeah, can we? I wish this, this is the only. I only wish this was a video podcast so I could show the people, <laughs> reveal the truth. Yeah, go truth. go ahead and look up Jay Z legs. Google Jay Z calf legs, and you know this is not about. I'm never here like as a movement instructor. To make anybody feel shame in their bodies. Right. But I want all of us to reconceptualize who we think. Like, we need to rethink about how we map power and strength onto certain bodies and body types and genders and not yeah. others, right? Yeah. And so you look at somebody like Jay-Z. Am I allowed to say the N-word on here? Yes. Niggas is fuck? weak. Niggas is weak. <laughs> Please cuss Um, ass. Niggas got chicken legs. Yeah, I want you true. to go look at a picture of Jay-Z's calf muscles. I want you to go. But look, make sure you look at a picture of him next to B, Queen B, <laughs> right? Because what you're going to see is that Jay looks like he's big on top but if you go to the body it's like beyonce's legs ate jay-z's legs and jay-z's legs kids okay and look so i'm just like i would love to give beyonce a self-defense lesson (laughs) because i'm like there's no way that beyonce if she ever had to would not be able to fight jay-z off if we flip the framework right (laughs) if we stop being so top heavy Right, Beyonce, like thick thighs save lives. Period. Is not, period. That is a self defense philosophy, right? <laughs> like your hips and your thighs are so powerful, yeah. right? That like you can literally take out someone's knee. So I don't care how much they bench press, right? Even if they squat in, right? Like they're like literal mass. Like the, like it just doesn't get that big for a lot of folks, yeah. right? Um, and so no, I mean these are important things to like keep in mind, right? That like. Just because, like, we were, like, a lot of us were in gym class, right, and folks couldn't do push-ups, right? (laughs) Push-ups are a scam. They are upper body centered, right? And if you are not, quote-unquote, proportioned, right, and your upper and your lower body don't weigh the same, like, I'm in the gym all the time, right? Like, I have been doing martial arts for X amount of years. Push-ups are still my enemy. You want to know why? (laughs) And I mean, I'm like, because my thighs are bigger than my arms. They always have been. Pull-ups are still my enemy, right? And there are incredible folks, incredible black women and black queer folks who can do pull-ups and their lower bodies are bigger than their upper bodies and they are my heroes. Um, (laughs) So I want to make space for them. But for a lot of us, I don't want us to feel guilty, right? Because there are parts of our bodies that are stronger and they will get us home safely, right? And our hips are more important than how powerful our biceps and our triceps are. So... Mm. You know, yes. that body, you know, get out the body type ghetto. 
Get out the gender <laughs> oh body God, type yes. ghetto. Mm-hmm. Period. 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 And and even that goes back to our conversation too about like acrylics and um, oh yes, and fems, yes, yes, and, and like, fems, yes, yeah, fems slash like just anybody who be wearing acrylics, like absolutely. We, um, how you were talking about how those are also a weapon, and people really, people really be out here trying to like say we can't do shit like with oh, our acrylics, sure. and that shit is a fucking lie. Oh, I mean, listen, Tay. I'm still like, let's get an uh, acrylic self defense class going in Detroit. I'm ready. Love to do let's that. do it because I've literally, I've been saying for years, like, like femmes on the front line of the revolution, right? <laughs> Megan and like, Megan Thee Stallion, yeah, and her thighs too, and like femme broadly defined, right? We don't, we're not doing no, like narrow ideas of femme, but I'm just like any any gender expression that's wearing acrylics, right? People are like, anything that you do is not practical. I'm like. You raking eyes. You stabbing <laughs> throats. I'm like, what people going to do with your acrylic, right? Like, it might hurt you if it break off. Yeah. But it break off in the eye, it's going to hurt them a hell of a whole lot more. I mean, people, whoever you are, you walk around wearing heels, take that heel off and stab somebody in the eye with oh, it. Oh, period. You know, if you want to look cute, you want to go out and somebody want to say something or grab up on you, take that heel off. <laughs> You know what I mean? Especially if you in the in the in Michigan in January going out and you look cute. It is too cold, too cold. for you to be shamed <laughs> or you to be grabbed up on. Too cold. Yes. Yeah, um, but it's the same. Even like you know when folks come for like, um, like our like fat folks, like yeah. bro, as if like being fat doesn't also mean you can't be strong, right? Yeah. I'm like a that's a historical, um, and I'm like I'm like b <laughs> like I'm like. Yo, we talking about like body mass that you could whip around however you so damn well please. Mm-hmm. And if somebody try to touch up on you, we taking all of our body mass and we taking it through somebody else, mm-hmm. right? And that's power because what we've been talking about is like our bodies generate force. So again, it's not about like what your body looks like in the gym or how much it can lift. Yeah. It's in a split second, your entire body can generate so much force that it can like literally crack through somebody's knee and defend yourself. Mm. Um, and so, I mean, it's really important that we have like folks who wear acrylics, like that we have fat femmes in spaces, right? I'm yeah. like, and I mean like this, I like really important folks have been doing that work in yoga. And I'm just like, mm. I want to see that visibility and inclusion like in like like martial arts and in queer martial arts spaces. I mean, you know, and it's like we see a lot, I feel like a lot of like um like masculine folks who identify as masculine center or perceived as masculine center or like trans masculine folks, right? Like part of like their practice and empowerment is to get into fitness spaces and to get into martial arts spaces yeah. or, you know, box spaces, as it should be. And I wanna see folks who are like who don't like use masculinity as a part of their gender expression to also feel like those spaces are for them. And I think folks are doing that work already and we need to highlight and uplift them and mm. get more folks into those spaces, right? For, and just like across this like gender spectrum, folks who are like agender, folks who are non-binary, right? Like let's be in there. Let's like make our classes look like like the gender queer spectrum that's Actually all around reflective. us. Yeah. Yeah. That makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. I think um, also another thing that's been really helpful um, has been all the journaling mm. that, we, <laughs> mm-hmm. that uh, we've done. Um, you put so much emphasis on that. And like and, and like the the specific prompts of like how do you conceptualize power and mm-hmm. strength. Mm-hmm. Like that's something that's been uh, helpful as well. I know I keep using that, that same phrasing. But it really has been. Like um, to just be aware of um like our bodies mm-hmm. um especially if we ain't really paid that much attention like to them you mm-hmm. know which because a lot of us when we are 
experiencing multiple marginalized identities like we don't really have time to really be in our bodies Mm -hmm. we're just like on the go all the time Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. it's like we're technically in our bodies but our spirit's not really in our bodies like sitting and like present Mm -hmm. in them you know Mm -hmm. and so it's really helpful to have that time like allocated to to sit and like you know breathe and meditate and stuff and um even if that's something that historically we haven't really been that it or felt good at i should say um it's just nice to have that time allocated and like uh working through um what made me feel empowered in this practice Mm -hmm. and you know was there anything in particular that came up for me that i need to like Mm -hmm. you know work more on or like think more about or spend some time comforting myself you know like what do i need Mm -hmm. um that's been really really wonderful and i think for me too um it's been important because i told you like why uh you know i had even been seeking this out um in the first place uh was because of my spirits um and them really trying to emphasize to me um that first of all i need to get myself together but <laughs> like 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 in a way of developing physical strength uh-huh. but also like i told you today too like um they've really been emphasizing uh discipline like the mm-hmm. idea of discipline mm-hmm. having mental discipline and and um and uh spiritual discipline like that we already work through these things every day together me and them and my other spirits but like you know it it is something that has to be a really consistent practice and um and so it's good to like have that support also like from you um like uh again like where time is specifically allocated to to work through that stuff because honestly you know i be when i go home you know i don't be trying to think about that shit sometimes like (laughs) outside of my spirits you know uh telling me stuff and you know having me sit down and do these things like you know it's just sometimes there are times where it's hard to support myself in doing in doing that work outside of those moments Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. yeah this and this one is so important too like uh it, it really is i don't know that that is its own weapon, honestly. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's real. Discipline is its own weapon. And what is and what does discipline look like? You know, like yeah. the ability to you know to to use your discipline how you want to, right? Mm-hmm. And like, you know, discipline doesn't have to be that you have to be able to sit still mm-hmm. for twenty minutes. But discipline is that, right? Like, I get through the things that nourish me and are on my life agenda, right? Yeah. Um, in in when I can and when I have the capacity to. Yeah. Do you okay? Wait, disconnect to this quote that that was for prayer. Um. Yeah. <laughs> you love to see it. You love to see a, a prayer alarm go off at the inopportune time. Right. Not the first ever inopportune. I'm stuck for the law. I'm stuck for the law. <laughs> um, but no, that reminded me um, of this quote. Look, <laughs> I be trying. Oh I be God. like. I mean, like, a lot. I done trained a lot of people. I just feel like that should Please. get me in. If I done done anything else wrong, <laughs> I'm out here. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. There was this meme that I saw the other day. I'm going, I'm getting sidetracked. But there was this meme I saw the other day, and it was this little, I forgot. It was, like, a little animal or something like that. But it was, a uh, the, they had, like, a shocked expression on their face, and the caption was just, like, uh, when you're on the elevator to heaven, but then the elevator started going down. <laughs> Worst nightmare. Worst nightmare. Bitch, take me up. Take me up. Please, not to call God bitch, but <laughs> just let me come on. Ta- ta- we talking to the, 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 the gin of the angel <laughs> conductor in the elevator. Right, 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 right. Take me up. Don't do this. Don't play it. That's not funny. That's not, fu- that's not funny. <laughs> what about all my community work? <laughs> Bring my ass up. <laughs> but, um, but no, so uh, one of the things that that reminded me of too was... Um, Nymona James. How do you do we have we talked about Nymona James? I don't 
don't think we have talked Do you about know that. who that is? I don't know. You don't know who that is? I'm about to get oh put on. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> Y'all, okay, listen. They don't be they don't be like putting uh, or they don't be writing as much as they used to. Okay. But this <laughs> child. Okay, am I? <laughs> they are a whole ass prophet. Let me are tell they on you. Instagram? Let me tell you something. <laughs> yeah, they are. They do. Uh, they do have Instagram, okay, um, cool. but they, they used to write like, um, these really amazing and such beautiful horoscopes oh, wow. um, and they're, they're, uh, a black person to a black queer person. I want to say, I don't know if they're genderqueer, but I know they use they, them pronouns. Um, mm-hmm. but they just, the way they articulate every single thing is just so fucking poetic. Yeah. Like, uh, I just have never seen anything like it before. Oh, wow. Um, but what it reminded me of, uh, well, in our conversations around discipline is this quote that fits so many things. I love, I love when this can come up in conversations because together. I love being able to quote them. Yes. The quote is, uh, that discipline creates spaciousness. Wow. Um, and that's I think a that, good quote. Bitch, that, that's such, such a good quote. Sight it is such a good folks. quote. What? What? Period. Discipline creates spaciousness. And I think, like, that applies to so much. I'm shook. Oh, my God. Thank you for being shook. Because <laughs> it's so good. And it, because it's true, discipline does create so many options um, yeah. for you. And, like, exactly what you were saying. Oh, my God. There's just so much room in it. Mm-hmm, There's mm-hmm. so much room in it. Mm-hmm. Like, once you get get that together, figure out your lines, what, what you can do, and, like, all these different things, like, discipline does create spaciousness. And that's really important. Like, it's what you can do, right? Like, so often we get shamed into being like I am not able to do all of this on this given thing or I can't do this and it's just like we never sit in the what we actually did accomplish right and that was a use of discipline like even if like you were only able to get out of bed for two hours and you only did work for 30 minutes you were you had the capacity for 30 minutes of like spaciousness of discipline to think out like you know what I mean? To think about your life and to move forward, right? But yeah. we never, we often, I think as black and brown folks, we don't get the time to celebrate what we actually were able to do under the conditions that we're in, right? Yes. And I'm guilty of this too, you know? I be, I'm a Capricorn, you know? So I'm like, we have our, I'd be like, all right, I'm doing a, I'm, I'm in a capitalist society. I'm going to do a whole 40-hour work week. And I'm like, man, <laughs> I, missed a, I missed two hours that day. Or I'm mm. like, I wasn't as productive as I was the other day. But I remind myself consistently. I'm like, oh, but you you did so much. And the consistency of capaciousness, if yeah. I can, right? That, like, that's part of discipline is the consistency. is not the, I am not the same every time I do it. But that I keep doing it. Yeah. Hmm. So, somebody tell my somebody tell James that we should do a a, a, a workshop together. Let's get it. Well, you said what? Nymona James Nymona and I need to do a. I was like, can we do a workshop together? Oh, like I was look. like, oh, that sounds nice. Be the mouth, be, be the mouthpiece. Oh my god, yes. What would that even be called? Astro. Uh, ash, ash, astro, astro arts. Astro martial arts. Astro martial arts. Am I astro active arts? Triple A. Arts, is that, triple, what is triple A? That's the towing company. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm screaming. That'd be wild. We could do uh we could do self defense and well being uh for yes. Virgos one on one. I was gonna say for air signs one on one child. Ooh, that's cute. <laughs> Discipline for air signs one on one. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Discipline for water signs. <laughs> Shut up. I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. Okay, so what is 
what is your favorite thing about your job uh and your work in general so like that that can look like a lot of things mm-hmm. like you know defining or we're defining work very very broadly mm-hmm. like your interests your mm-hmm. research mm-hmm. shit you get paid to do but also the, a lot of the shit that you don't get paid to do which is probably a lot mm-hmm. um you know because they like the world like taking advantage of us True. um so, but like, how do you, what is your favorite thing about that? What is your favorite thing about like what you came here to do in this world? Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of like being a, like a researcher mm-hmm. um, and a scholar, like part of my favorite part about that job is, I mean, A, getting dressed up dapper. You know, I do love, getting love dressed a, up. I do love a, I love a dapper, I love a dapper queer outfit, but, um, you know, I think this goes back to like, I came to grad school to tell a story and mm-hmm. like sharing folks' stories in ways that resonate with them. Like, um, I curated an exhibit a couple years ago um, on Black Power. Well, yeah, I helped this curate. And um, on this one same day, I saw both um, some old movement heads walk (laughs) by um, and stand by the section that I curated and, you know, see themselves in in the section in the in the martial arts that was depicted and and then i saw a group of middle school black girls walk by um and stand in front of this big poster of a black woman flipping somebody from the 70s Mm. and i saw them see themselves on the walls um of this exhibit and i saw them see themselves in black power and i saw them see themselves in martial arts and that's my favorite part of the job is showing people what they never expected to find Mm. um and you know as a practitioner um the favorite part of my job is um is taking people on a journey is let is like is making space for people to empower themselves and that's simply it i think some people like really are excited by the idea of empowering other people i'm excited by the idea of just holding the space and letting people find the space to empower themselves. Right. And my favorite part of my job is like when folks tell me at the end of a three hour workshop, I like learn something about myself that I never knew, right? Mm-hmm. That like this is like the most powerful workshop that like that I've taken. I've taken other self defense classes, but there was something about this one that was different. Um, you know, my favorite thing is to like see like, you know, one of my favorite workshops ever was one where um it was like, I think it was like right, it was like after the elections, perhaps in 2016. And I went down to North Carolina, invited by some um, queer Muslims there. And I did a workshop where I had like brown auntie moms <laughs> and like trans white women in the same room doing mm. martial arts. And you know what? Um, alongside all the QTPOCs. And somebody would have told me that that space would not have been able to exist, mm. right? That you could not have um like black and brown older folks in a space with younger queer Mm -hmm. and trans folk and you know i can tell them that my work proves them wrong right Mm -hmm. you can have these like spaces that really are about a coalitional politic of people coming together and saying like we know that we're not weak and we just need the space to to figure that out so that's my that's my favorite part of the job um you know I really, I just, I love, I love seeing people's faces at the end. I love getting little, the little note cards, um, and, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and yeah, and just seeing people change their own lives and, yeah. and seeing black faces, you know, and seeing queer faces, you yes. know, seeing Muslim faces, you know. Yes. And all of the intersecting ones. That's and me. I, I, am, I am all of those. You are all of those things. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, that's the, 
the nice part of having been trained with you is I'm like, here's like my fellow like young black queer, like gender non conforming, like Muslim like family, mm-hmm. right? That we can come together <laughs> um and share this practice. So Yeah. It's been a pleasure too. It's been it really has been. Like even like with us praying together. Oh, um, yeah. For those of y'all, I haven't really shared this that much, but like, um, like what my spirits, the, my spirits were really directing uh, <laughs> a lot of this um, in Same. terms of like uh, how I show up when I arrive for training and um, also like how we begin. Like they had us, they wanted to make sure that we were praying Islamic prayers um, every time uh, before we even begin like meditating or stretching mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, and that's been like really powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. I really enjoy praying with other folks, so and, you know, we don't often get to do um black queer Muslim community in um in this area. Yeah, in this that's area. True. So. That's true as fuck. Yeah. That's cute. Okay, so are you ready for the last question? I am. I you am. Ready? You wanna do the drum roll? No, not really. On this IKEA furniture. That's it, right. Look, look, let's not <laughs> On the let's, faux wood. Right, let's protect it though. We don't want to scratch it. It's okay. Alright, so the last question is what is the biggest lesson that you have felt your ancestors and Allah trying to teach you either this year or just recently in general? Mm. And would you give the same advice to the world? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> How long of a pause do I get to take? Oh, you can take a pause. Okay. Go ahead. Okay, okay. The niggas will wait. Okay, I just didn't want. I didn't want to mess with the with the with the, with the, the listenership. Y'all gonna wait, right? Y'all gonna wait. They gonna wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can say it also fast. They can skip ten seconds ahead, right? They, I, they absolutely can. Okay, all right. I'm gonna think. think. I'm think. Oh, Shit, on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Fifteen. <screaming>. It's okay. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, some things that are coming to mind, and this, this one is not, I think, you know, I'm getting reminders through friends um, and through good colleagues. Um, so I have a friend, um, you know, Kira Singleton. We have a mutual um, community folk, Aurelis Troncoso. Um, and, gang, gang. Gang, gang. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, one of the things that they keep reminding me is that, um, you know, what's for you is for you, and what's for you will not pass you by. Um, mm. And that's really helpful because, you know, I'm currently on, like, the job market looking for jobs, and so that's very Y'all heard that? <laughs> In case they got some connects. Yes, you got some connects. Listen, um, and so that's been really useful, and I think, it, and I think it, you know, it proves to be true, but I think, you know, it's something that takes so long to actually be able to accept and ruminate, and, you know, it took me through some, like, I had to go through a couple of emotional roller coasters to finally be like, you know what, fuck this. <laughs> what is for me is for me, and I gotta keep moving, yeah. and I gotta keep doing what makes me happy, and um, I really had to think about, some the quote, one of my favorite quotes that I, like, um, you know, sort of have said to myself over the years and I've, you know, said to other people, I'm like, you know, you know, there's something about learning to be a different, a different person, the person you've been your entire life. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that like, or even, you know, there's something about learning to be a different person, the person you've been over the last several years. Um, 
And that's also been really nourishing and empowering is to be like, you know, having gone through a lot of changes over the last several years, there's always still somehow, there's always something new that I'm learning. And I'm like, oh, there's some power in learning to be a little different than I was mm. yesterday. Um, yeah, and I think the last thing is that I just like, I don't, I think we took throw this around, but I really had to sit back and sit in it and say, like, reframe or rediscover your dreams like I think mm. that I got set on such a path and sometimes you get so absorbed in the goals that are set ahead of us on the current path that we forget that those goals I forgot that my goals were about a dream that was outside of this path that I had currently chosen mm -hmm. and that I could deviate from that path and still hit those dreams right and so mm -hmm. if I came to grad school to tell a story you know I don't need a particular type of job to tell a story right. I don't need a particular type of job to write the book I want to write um and I had to remind myself that goals are not dreams mm -hmm. um and that sometimes you need to shift your goals to get back to your dreams and yes. so yeah Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah, so, you know, and, and, yeah, and I think my friends of my grandmother and other, you know, ancestors are just like, like, oh, like, you know, you, like, you got to accomplish dreams, right? And so don't let, mm -hmm. don't let the path detract from that. I think I needed to hear that too. Mm, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it's the season. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost cap season. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Anyway. That's a good question, I'll take. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for all your thoughtful questions. Thank you. Thank you for answering them and, and being on here. Absolutely. Um, how, how can people keep up with you after? Do you want people to keep up with you after? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a good question. question. You know, I'm a little, you know, so misanthropic Capricorns be like, keep, high. <laughs> keep that. <laughs> right. Be like, keep up with me, but don't actually keep up with me. <laughs> right. No, I mean, follow, hit me up on Instagram. Um, you know, the um, Dapper, D-A-P-P-E-R, Hijabi, H-I-J-A-B-I. -I. You can find me through, you know, Tay's page. But, you know, like, if folks have, like, yeah, I mean, you know, I, you know, obviously, <laughs> I like this so, so, like, limited, like, time and energy. But, um, like, hit me up. Like, I can answer basic questions, like, in DMs, but also, like, you know, like, if it's long distance, like, I definitely can do trainings for folks like online, but also, you know, if you're in, if you're in the like Midwest, if you're in Michigan or if you're on the, I'm always on the East coast. So mm -hmm. if folks are looking for one-on-one -on -one trainings or, you know, I travel, like I don't have my own you school. You be going. I be, I be. And you I, be getting flued out I, too. I, I don't have, you, don't you. <laughs> I have been known to be flued out over a time or two. So, I mean, like, I'm ha like, and I will show, I'm not, I will go anywhere, right? Yeah. If you're like, there's only five of us and we are in an enclave in Idaho, <laughs> I'm like, you help me fundraise and I fly out there, right? Uh -huh. And I'm like, you go help pay for my plane ticket and some meals, yeah. right? Like, I'm like, like, we are, like, we're transmitting knowledge to folks. So, mm. you know, if you're looking for somebody to come and do, like, an anti-hate crime self-defense workshop or an inclusive, like, self-defense workshop, particularly for, like, black queer folks, mm -hmm. um, yeah, just send me on Instagram if you just want to, you know, see what I'm up to. Instagram is the, the best way. And, you know, if you need my professional email, I'll send it to you from there. So, yep, yep. Thank you. Thank you. All right, y'all. Y'all welcome uh, for <laughs> now being exposed to this beautiful, beautiful person. Um, and now we are closing. So, assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. Period. 
Assalamu alaikum y'all. Some of y'all might be interested in energy healing work, whether it's in person or long distance, that helps to restore balance to all of your bodies, your physical, emotional, and spiritual bodies, and also being able to connect with your ancestors and other spirits and hear from them too. Yes, all at the same time. This is one of my primary lines of work called an energy healing divination. If you're feeling called to it, go to my website at tayloramarilittle.com and you can go ahead and book me there. If you need tarot divination, I primarily do four different styles. You can go to my website or if you might be interested in any of my articles, my ongoing Building with the Ancestors one-on-one guide for Black people only, or inviting me for speaking engagements or to do any of my workshops, you already know what to do at this point. Just go to my website at tayloramarilittle.com. Amari is A-M-A-R-I. Also, supporting me through Patreon is something that I am returning to. So if you want to financially support me and help sustain the work that I'm doing, even if it's just a few dollars a month, you can do so at patreon.com slash controversial Tay. You can also be sure to follow me on Instagram at controversial Tay, Twitter at Miss Tay Amari, and you can pay me or tell your white and other non-black friends too, uh, as you should tell them to pay me okay my venmo cash App, paypal are all on my website you cannot miss it my name is taylor amari little thank you for listening to my podcast and have a black ass day y'all